If you have your Bible, go to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Is anyone ready for the word? Isaiah chapter 6 and go to verse 8. Isaiah 6, go to verse 8. If you've got it, say amen. Isaiah 6, verse 8 says this. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. Me. Now go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Go down to verses 20 through 21. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. It says this But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful. Sanctified and useful. God will sanctify you before he uses you. Sanctified and useful for the master. Prepared for every good Work. I want to talk today from the question, what is your availability? What is your availability? Father, I pray that you speak through your word. May every heart be open and receptive to hear what it is that you have to say to us today. Change us with your word. Holy Spirit, speak through me and speak with power. In Jesus' name, and everyone said Amen. What is your availability? Ask that to your neighbor. What is your availability? What is your availability? I want to start by telling you a little bit of a story. I remember when I got my first job. It was a part-time job. I worked at the grocery store right here in Powdersville, Ingalls. Y'all know where that is. And, and when I applied for the job, the first question that they ask you is, what is your availability? In other words, when can we put you on the schedule? I found out very quickly that they will only use you as much as you are available. I want to tell you that God will only use you as much as you are available. You've got to be available if you want to be used. And too many of Christians in the body of Christ are only available from 10 to 12 on Sunday morning. 
And then we get frustrated because our world is wicked and we look around us and we say everybody's falling away from the Lord, but we only allow the Lord to use us from 10 to 12 on Sunday morning. But, but if that is your mindset that he can only use you in church, he probably won't even use you then because the other hours of the week, you're so filling your heart with wickedness and flesh and sin that he can't even get to you or through you on Sunday morning. You've got to be available more than just in church. I remember before I got that job, I applied somewhere else before that, that I did not get the job. And, and I am 99% certain it was because I didn't put down enough availability. They needed somebody who needed, who had more availability and and I didn't put down that availability because at the time I had other things that I considered more important. God works no different. If you have other things that you consider to be more important than your relationship with the Lord and you don't put down your availability, God will not be able to use you in his kingdom. Somebody shout amen. It was only after I opened up my availability that I was able to fulfill the assignments that were given to me. You have an assignment that God is wanting you to fulfill in your lifetime. And you will only be able to fulfill the assignments that are assigned to you when you open up your availability. I wish somebody would shout, I'm available. We want God to give us an assignment. We want him to use us in a mighty way, but we don't want to be available. And I just want to tell you this morning that God, he's not looking for your accomplishments. He's not looking for your knowledge. He's not looking for your degrees. And he's not even looking for your ministry experience. None of those things are wrong, and all of those can be beneficial and useful to what you are doing in the kingdom of God. But God is not looking at any of those. He's not worried about any of those. God wants to know, are you available to be used by him? If you show me your availability, I'll show you your anointing. You cannot be anointed unless you are first available. The greatest ability you have is availability. I want to tell you another story to drive home this point this morning. I was, we were, me and my family were at vacation a few months ago, and we were in Hilton Head, and we decided to do what was called a dolphin cruise. Has anybody ever been on a dolphin cruise in here? You get on the boat, you go look for dolphins in the water, and and we came up to the boat, and on the side of the boat was the words really big. It said, motor vessel. And I got to thinking about why do they refer to the boat as a motor vessel. I understand the motor part, but why is it referred to as a vessel? It's a boat. Why are we calling it a vessel? So I started thinking about what the Bible says about us being vessels. And I came to the realization, this might not be why they think it's called a vessel, but I came to the realization that it's called a motor vessel because, listen, it is used to transport people from their current location to their intended destination. You are a vessel. 
that God is wanting to use to transport people from where they are to their intended destination in God. But you have to first be a willing vessel. Are you available? We're called to be vessels through which God flows. God uses people. And he is wanting to use you to advance his kingdom and build his kingdom. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are referred to in God's word as earthen vessels. Why would it refer to us as earthen vessels? Because we were literally made from the dust of the earth. And when God breathes his life, breathes his breath into you, you are no longer just dirt. You are now an earthen vessel to be used by God so that he can flow through you and reach everybody that is around you. We are literally dirt until God breathes his life into us. I want you now to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 5. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. And I'm going to read all the way through verse 17. I want you to follow along really quickly. It says this, verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. Verse 6 is one of my favorite verses. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Let me pause. You are a vessel, and it is not your job to bring the increase. It is your job to plant the seed. It is your job to water the seed. But sometimes in the body of Christ, I wish we would just back up and let God be God. Let the Holy Spirit do the work in somebody's life. You don't have to hover over somebody and judge every move that they make, saying that they're not where they need to be with the Lord. You obey the Lord, plant the seed, water it, take your hands off of it, and let God do the work. I planted, Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. Why are you trying to do God's job for him? He can do his job better than you can do his job. Verse 7. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own Labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another built on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus 
Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. I'm talking about what is your availability. Are you available? I want to tell you this this morning, that God's power is available to the believer who is available. And God's power is immeasurable. So why would you settle for a measure? I'm teaching you only what I'm learning in my own life. God's power is available to the believer who is available. And his power is immeasurable. So why settle for just a measure? I don't know if y'all understand what I'm saying. Why settle for just a measure? Let me tell you this. God inhabits the praises of his people. I said God inhabits the praises of his people. His home is your praise. He dwells in your praise. He, is in, he inhabits your praise. So if you want to experience a little God, give him a little praise to live in. But if you want to experience a great big God, give him a Give him a big praise. I said, give him a big praise. To I said, give him a big praise. God inhabits your praises. Are you available? Listen, you must yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. My question to you this morning is, are you yielded to God's Spirit? What does it mean to be yielded to God's Spirit, yielded to the work of God in your life? What does that mean? I want to give you five definitions of the word yield so that you can gain a deeper understanding of what it means to yield to his spirit in your life. Number one, I want you to write these definitions down. One, to give up possession of. To give up possession of. Number two, to stop opposing or objecting to something. Stop opposing or objecting to something. Number three, to give way under physical force so as to bend, stretch, or break. God will stretch you out of your comfort zone. Fourth definition of the word yield. I love this one. To admit that someone else is better. 
Your thoughts are not his thoughts. Your ways are not his ways. And his ways are better. His, his thoughts are higher than anything you could think up in your own mind. Quit thinking that you've got it all figured out. I've heard someone say this when it comes to prayer. Why is it in prayer that we who are imperfect are praying to a God who is perfect and we're the ones doing all the talking? His ways are better. The fifth definition of the word yield that I want to give you is that someone else has the right of way. I hope y'all are getting this this morning. You have to fully yield and fully surrender every area and every room of your life. You've got to surrender your ministry. You've got to surrender your home. You've, you've got to surrender your relationships, your work life, your devotion time, your money, your money, your, your secret life, your private life. You can't just surrender the areas of your life that you don't want anymore. You've got to surrender the areas of your life that you do want to hold on to. And you've got to give it to the Lord anyways. Some of you have nine out of ten rooms of your life surrendered to the Lord. And it's that one room that you're holding on to that is hindering you and your spiritual growth and your ministry. And if you can get that one room under the blood, you will be so much more effective in the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. You might just have to rearrange your schedule to be available to the Lord. I want to tell you that Jesus is at the center of your life, and he should be at the center of your life. Jesus does not revolve around my hobbies, my schedule, and my life. My hobbies, my schedule, and my life revolve around Jesus. We treat God like we're a manager, and he has to schedule all of his meetings around our schedule and our convenience and meet me when I'm ready and, and meet me when I get to church. But, but don't mess with my marriage and don't mess with my home and, and don't mess with my work life, but I, I'll talk to you at church. And, and God is wanting you to be available because if you are just a Christian on Sunday morning, you're not a Christian. And if you're just a believer on Sunday morning, you're not a believer. Believers believe at all times. Believers are Christ-like at all times. And no, you won't always be perfect. But if you don't apply what you learn on Sunday morning, you will not reach anybody. And you have to understand that the moment that you place faith in Jesus Christ, his name is written on you. And everything that you do affects his reputation. So if you live any old way that you want to at work and at home, you're not just affecting your reputation, you're affecting his. I don't believe in Sunday morning believers, and neither does God. You don't just get to serve God at your convenience. If you only serve God at your convenience, you're not serving God, you're serving you. And you're serving your flesh and, and everything that appeases you. You get to serve God at his convenience. 
Listen, I want to give you five things. Five things. As we are vessels, five things that clog up the vessel. Five things that clog up the vessel. Number one, pride. Pride clogs up the vessel. I would hate to get to heaven one day and Jesus look at me and question why I wanted to be seen more than I wanted him to be seen. It is my heart's desire not to be seen, not to get the applause, not for people to pat me on the back, but to point people to Jesus. And I want to tell you that God cannot flow through a vessel that is clogged up with pride. I'm, tell, I'm telling you that you can preach the sermons, you can sing the songs, but if you're filled with pride, God will not be able to flow through you. It'll just be words on your notepad and it just lyrics on a screen. Pride is caring more about what people think than what God thinks. I want to tell you this, that prayerlessness is pride. Because when there is no prayer in your life, what you are telling the Lord is that I can make this decision on my own. I don't need your input. I don't need your direction. I don't need your wisdom. I can make it on my own. Prayerlessness is prideful. I've got to warn you about the snake of pride. Because pride sneaks in slowly, but destroys you rapidly. It will sneak in over time, and you'll hardly be able to tell that it's there. But it will destroy you at a moment's notice. This is why you have to ask the Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Pride sneaks in slowly and destroys you rapidly because pride comes before the what? The fall. God exalts the humble and humbles the exalted. He exalts the humble and humbles the exalted. If some of us would quit trying to exalt ourselves, let me go to point two. Legalism and self-righteousness clogs up the vessel. Legalism and self-righteousness. Let me say this. Legalism and self-righteousness considers right living to be a matter of appearance and traditions that are of no true value benefit or edification to the body of Christ. I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with traditions. I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with religion in and of itself. What I am saying is when you consider your traditions, your man-made ideologies to be equivalent to the Word of God in your life. Your traditions did not save you and your traditions will not keep you saved. I do not want to be around a believer who thinks that their traditions make them better than me. God's ways without God's heart is self-righteousness and legalism. God's ways without his heart is legalism 
and self-righteousness. You know how to be a Christian. You know how to talk in Christianese. You know how to say I'm blessed and highly favored. You know how to say I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. But you do not know how to love your neighbor. You do... Galatians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Galatians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Talking about legalism and self-righteousness. This only I want to learn from you, Paul said. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Which one was it? Are you so foolish, verse 3, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? I do not work to be saved. I work because I'm saved. I am not working for approval. I'm working from approval. I hope y'all are getting this this morning. We have this self-righteous heart and attitude that most of the people who have it don't even realize or recognize in their own life because they think they've got it all right. But the moment you think you've got it all together, you no longer have it all together. And the moment you think you have it all figured out, you no longer have it all figured out. Somewhere along the line, You began putting more trust in your righteousness than in God's righteousness. Your righteousness is as filthy rags and will never be able to save you. And what frustrates me and what turns so many people away from Christ is when we argue over things that are of no true value or edification to the body of Christ. We talk about lights, no lights. Fog machines, no fog machines. They did not save me. They did not save you. And it's a matter of preference and opinion. And your, and, and your argument is why do y'all have all that when people are going to hell? Why are you arguing about all that when people are going to hell? Get away from that mindset and just preach Jesus. Preach Christ and him crucified, the king of glory. If he be lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. I want to tell you that you can win an argument and lose their soul. You can win an argument and lose a soul. You can prove your point and miss the point. And we're arguing people to Christ. Why would I want what you have if you argue me to Jesus? Nobody argued me to the Lord. The Holy Spirit dealt with my heart 
And in that moment, I responded to his love and his goodness. It is the goodness of God that leads someone to repentance. You cannot argue me to Jesus, and you cannot argue me to keep myself with Jesus. You can only love somebody to Jesus. You can only plant the seed. You can water the seed, but you will never be able to bring the increase. And whenever we preach stuff like this, those type of people say, well, oh, they're just convicted. They're just compromised. The issue is that you're prideful and hateful. Let me move on. The third thing, the third thing, the carnal mind. That's the third thing that clogs up the vessel, the carnal mind. I want you to go to Romans 8 really quickly. Romans 8. And verse 6. Romans 8, verses 6 through 8. I want to teach this part really quickly. For to be carnally or fleshly minded is death. Didn't say it's bad. It said it's death. But to be spiritually minded is not just good. It's life and peace. Because the carnal or fleshly mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Let me tell you this. You are a spirit with a soul in a body. I got to take this real slow, really quickly. You are a spirit with a soul in a body. A lot of people don't know the difference between your spirit and your soul. Your spirit is where you got born again. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. It's your mind, will, and emotions. Your body is your flesh. That's where you get your sinful desires. So what happened in your spirit when you got born again cannot flow through you if your soul is unsanctified. And if your flesh is uncrucified, that's why you have to crucify the flesh, sanctify the soul or the mind so that what happened in your spirit can get through both of them to reach people with the love of Christ. An uncrucified flesh and a carnal mind hinders what happened in your spirit and it blocks the infilling and outflowing of the Holy Spirit. An uncrucified flesh and a carnal mind keep God from getting in and out. A person with a carnal mind, a person who is still under the control. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying you still have a carnal mind. And your flesh is still uncrucified. And you're still under the control of your sinful nature. The Bible says those cannot please God. Because if your flesh is uncrucified and your mind is unsanctified, you cannot obey the Lord. Because you're under the leadership, not of the Holy Spirit, but of your flesh. Number one, pride. Number two, legalism and self-righteousness. Number three, the carnal mind. The fourth thing that clogs up the vessel is your mouth. Your mouth. You all know the scripture. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death 
and life. I don't, I don't know if we understand the reality of those words. Not good and bad. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is why the Bible says, I shall not die. But I will live and declare the works of the Lord. Sometimes we're, we're praying and begging and pleading. And Jesus said that if you say to the mountain, move from here to there. And if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. I heard somebody teach this, and I just want to share it with you. If we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 in creation, God said... And then God saw that it was good. God said, let there be. And then God saw that it was good. He blessed it and saw that it was good. You see a pattern. God said, God saw. God said, God saw. Same thing in your life. You say it before you see it. And this is why the Bible says to call those things that are not as though they already were. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I do not talk to God about my mountains. I talk to my mountains about my God. And I say, do you know Jesus? He's the Lord of my life. And he can move you out of my way. I don't have to take it to the Lord in prayer. All I have to do is speak to the mountain and say, be moved from here to there, and it will be moved. It's your mouth that creates your world. And, and, and something that I just, I just cannot stand to hear is when people, especially when Christians say it, is that I have a good heart, but Lord, this mouth. And my Bible tells me that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. I can see your heart by what comes out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. I've got to tell you that if you will watch your heart, you will not have to watch your mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Another thing that I can't stand, and I'm almost done, is when people, Christians, say it all the time. They have no idea what they're doing. My anxiety. My depression. My disease, my cancer. I didn't know it belonged to you. That sickness is not yours. That, oh, somebody's going to get set free today. That sickness is not yours. That depression is not yours. That anxiety is not, that doctor's report is not yours. You've got to be careful what comes out of your mouth. I shall not die. I said, I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. 
Do I have anybody in this place who knows the goodness of Jesus and the power of your words and with the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings and these things ought not to be. Somebody shout God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Remain standing. You can be standing. This is why we have to understand that God's word, we have to allow it to get down deep into our hearts. It starts with getting it in your mind, your soul, mind, will, emotions. Then if you meditate, on the goodness of the Lord. If you meditate on that word, sooner than later, it will get in your heart and become a part of who you are as a person. I've got to tell you that God's word does not just bring power. God's word is power. I said God's word is power. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. His word is power. My fifth point, and I'm done. Remain standing. Fifth point. Last thing that clogs up the vessel is sin. This one is where you lose all the amens. This is all I'm going to say about this one, and then I'm done. There must be no pattern of disobedience in your life. Here's my question. God is always available. Are you?